All right, let's turn this morning to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter number 3, and uh, I will make reference to Matthew chapter 3. If you want to turn there, I'll just read two quick verses in Matthew 3, but we'll spend uh, all of our time except for just that reference in Luke chapter number 3. And I want to encourage you to be in the service tonight. I want to, I'm looking forward to the message this evening. We have a great time on Sunday night. And, uh, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 3. We have, uh, for several weeks now, uh, been preaching on uh, John the Baptist. Uh, week number one, we, we, we saw John, a man sent from God. Uh, then we looked at uh, the uh, record of John, then the witness of John, and then we're going to preach from the life of John the Baptist uh, again this morning, Lord willing. Uh, Next Sunday morning, I'll preach on the prison of John. I don't want you to miss that message. I don't want you to miss any Sunday morning. I don't want you to miss next Sunday morning. I'll preach on the prison of John. Uh, But this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eteria, and of the region of Trachonus, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene. Annas and Cephas, being the high priest, the word of God, came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of, of repentance of the remission for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one... Crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now I'll read from Matthew chapter number 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This morning I want to look specifically in our text in Luke chapter number 3, but I want to preach this morning on the message of John. If God sent a man named John, which he did, I think it would be important for you and I to pay close attention to the message that God sent John to preach. This morning, uh, with the Lord's help, uh, we'll preach on that thought this morning. Father, I pray that you'll uh, be with the remainder of the service. I pray that our attention, our focus will be on the Word of God, the Spirit of God. And Father, I pray this morning that uh, throughout the message we'll just allow our hearts to be open uh, to the Word of God. I pray again, if there's one here unsaved, uncertain of the eternity, that they would uh, get that settled with you. May they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll certainly have the opportunity. I pray that they'll do so. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll bless through our remainder of the time. Uh, May we be encouraged uh, by the Scriptures this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John, the man, was a very interesting man. I read to you from Matthew chapter number uh, 3, and uh, what we know about John the Baptist, we know uh, that uh, he, uh, the angel came to his mother, came to his father, and said, there's gonna be a, there's, you're going to have a child with a specific purpose. And we know the Scripture tells us that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from the wound. He was a unique man. We're going to see in, the, in future weeks uh, what, uh, what Jesus said about John, what Jesus thought about John. And let me just uh, tell you, if you don't know, uh, he thought very highly of John the Baptist, said there is none greater born of woman. That's quite a statement. But John was an interesting man. 
Uh, if in verses 3 and 4 of Matthew 3, uh, we are reminded of several things. We are reminded that he was of the wilderness. He was a desert dweller. You would have to be different to live in the wilderness. You'd have to have a different mentality to be a desert dweller. The scripture also tells us uh, that he came in raiment of camel's hair. Something just tells me John the Baptist was not concerned with the latest trends of dress. Uh, he did not choose the, the, the camel hair raiment out of a GQ magazine. He was, he was a different individual. Uh, he, he had made clothes out of camel's hair. Think about that. Camel's hair comes from a camel, if you didn't know that. I mean, he was wearing the skins of camels. He's different. Uh, but we also find his diet was different. His diet was locust and wild honey. Now, I've eaten some crazy things, but I've never eaten locusts and wild honey. That is not on my bucket list this morning. I, I, it may be on yours, it's not on mine. That was his diet. This was a man who was a very particular man. He was a peculiar man, but he had a specific message. I cannot help but think that uh, the focus, if John the Baptist were in our day today, would be on just those things I mentioned. The fact that he's so unusual. The fact that he's not like everybody else. The fact that uh, he's different and probably a little uh, rough around the edges and he's, he's not concerned with keeping up with what, what society says you're supposed to keep up with. Uh, all the focus would be on that. I mean, it would be, you'd leave church and it would be all over social media. Did, did you just see what John the, the Baptist was, was wearing today? It was camel's hair. It was even the latest edition of the camel's hair. I mean, it would, that was what it would be all about. It would be all about uh, the peculiarity of John the Baptist. But friend, it was never about John the man, it was always about John's message. It was about the purpose of why John came. He reminded those, we see it in several passages of scripture, that he's just a voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm the voice of one that God has sent with a very specific message. Now I would draw your attention this morning to this message. If God sent John, and he did, and God sent John with a purpose, and he did. Uh, you and I should be, pay very close attention to the message that John sent. Uh, let's look at this message by way of outline this morning. Number one, I want to mention to you, considering the message of John the Baptist, the need of the message. There was a great need for his message. Look with me in verse number 2. Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest. Verse 1 and 2 gives us the setting, gives us the time period. Who was ruling in power, but also who were the high priest. Now here's a very practical application. There's so much truth in the Bible. If we just slow down once in a while, uh, we'll, we'll, pay, we'll get more of it. But notice the Bible tells uh, is very specific in who what were the high priests. Now, let me point out the inadequacy of religion. Why was there a need? Because religion is not adequate to, to deal with the soul of man. Why was there a need of his message? Why was there a need of the Son of God? Because religion is inadequate. If religion 
Think with me this morning. I, I hate to logic with you on a Sunday morning, but, but let's use some logic. If, 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 if religion satisfied, if religion was enough, the Bible tells us that there were the high priests were there. They were ruling. They were, they were performing their duties. If religion was enough and there was a high priest in place, why did God have to send His Son? Why did God have to make a way by sending His perfect Son? And friend, I would tell you this morning, just as religion was not enough in that day, religion is not enough in this day. No man ever got to heaven by being religious. There are a lot of a lot of them, sadly, who went to hell because they were just religious and did not know the Lord. There was a need of the message because it, there was an inadequacy of religion. See, religion uh, is, has never been the answer. See, religion is self-serving. It, it, it lends to pride. Uh, you read the, the Gospels and, and you get a, a sense of the Pharisees. Uh, they, were the, they, they weren't the ones who were preaching the, the, the same message we preach today. It was, a, it was a religion of self-serving. I want you to see how good I am. I want you to see the things that I have done. It was all an outward show. It was a self-serving. That's what religion is. It's not only self-serving, it's selfish. You say, Pastor, how is religion selfish? Religion, you're only caring about yourself. You're not caring about the, your fellow man. You're not caring about the rest of the world. You're not caring trying to reach other people. It's, religion is very selfish. Religion is very shallow. I know we get criticized because we believe that all you have to do is put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, and in that moment, belief of the heart, you're saved. And some say, well, that's just shallow. You need to read your Bible to discover what takes place at that point of salvation. All that happened in that salvation, what all of the types are in Scripture, if you understood that, you had a glimpse of that, you'd realize how shallow it is for man to think that he can conform to some religious exercises to get to heaven. No, friend, uh, that religion is shallow in the sense that man is his own Savior. See, the need, there was a great need of the message because it, it, the inadequacy of religion. Might I add, in the day we live in today, there, there's a great need of that same message. Religion doesn't save. Religion doesn't conform. Only through the Son of God can we find those things. But notice, secondly, this morning, in the, not only the need of the message, but the origin of the message. Look at verse number 2 again. The Word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the, in the wilderness. Now, where did John get the word? He got it from God himself. He got it through, I believe, he had some of the scripture, but then he got a word from God by being in that desert place, by being in that wilderness, and God said, it's time for you to fulfill that which I put you here to do. And he got his message from God. Do you know there's a lot of religious messages in the day we live in today? A lot of messages that have a religious connotation. But friend, the only message that changed, the only message that we should give our ear to is the message that comes from God Himself. 
His message came from God. It came from the words of God. See, why? you, you might ask, Pastor, why is that important? Because the origin of the message determines the authority and the ability by which the message can be performed. If there's no authority with the message, the message is worthless. If, if there's no, if there, there's no, uh, many of you, this might, this might be, uh, be an illustration that you, you relate to. You, you either had several siblings or you've had uh, several children and you know how siblings interact with each other. The, uh, the siblings aren't the authority in the home. Mom and dad are the authority in the home. At least that's the way it should be. I'm just going to throw that out there. The mom and dad are the, are the authority in the home. Now, if dad comes in and says, do this, they better do it. But sometimes siblings can bicker. Sometimes siblings, I don't know if you knew that or not, but sometimes they can, they can disagree with one another. And the worst thing is for one sibling to tell another, you better do. I grew up with siblings, and when I heard one of my siblings say, you better do, let me just tell you right there what I was not going to do. Mark it down, wasn't going to do it. You better do it, or what? Or what? Or I'll make you. You and what army? You you resonate with this more than you resonate with the scripture I read a while ago, but uh, you and what army? I'm not doing it. Why? Because they've got no authority. They have no way to make that even happen. But if they walk in and then and, and you know, what it says, I'm, I'll be right back. And they walk in and said, Dad said. Now it's different. Because now it's not based on their ability. Now it's not based on their authority. See, it's more important that he came from that wilderness place with the words of God than it was for him to spend time in the religious centers in the temple getting getting teaching and instructing from wise men because he came forth with a message that was was needed at the time. He came forth with a message that was going to transform. He came forth with the greatest message, and that was, Behold, the Lamb of God. He had to have the authority of which to preach that message, and it came from God himself. It's like an ambassador of the king. He, he, the king may not travel himself, but he may send an ambassador and, and, and speak for the king. When that ambassador speaks, he is speaking on behalf of the king and all of his authority, all of his wealth, all of his might, all of his power. John the Baptist, get the picture, comes from the wilderness. Yes, he looks a little different. He's wearing the raiment of camel's hair. He just got done having a snack of locusts and wild honey. He is a different man. He comes forth and he is preaching a message that you better prepare the way of the Lord and say what got people's attention. It wasn't him. It wasn't how he looked. It was the authority that he came in preaching the message. He had the authority of an almighty God. When you come with the authority of God, you'll have some boldness. You'll have some confidence. That's why, friend, build your life on the scripture. Build your life on the Word of God. Build your life on the things that come from from Him and the words that come from Him because you can do so with confidence. You can do so with boldness. You say, well, well, Pastor, how can you say there's only one way to heaven and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ because I got that from God. And if that's the way God has set it up, 
That's the way it is. He comes with uh, the, the authority that comes from the origin of the message. Thirdly, we move, we, we move quickly so I can get to the last point. We find the urgency of the message. Look at verse number 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Matthew chapter 3, we read just a moment ago, is worded a little bit different. He preaches to repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached a message of repentance, but it was also a urgent message. What was John saying? He was saying the time is now. I believe in the minds of so many people, they know there's a message they need to heed to. They want to put it off. They want to delay. They don't understand the sense of urgency that the hour brings. Well, how is it that someone can come to a Bible preaching church, some as this as this one, and not have uh, not have ever been been saved, never trusted Christ as their Savior, and be convicted of that by the Holy Spirit of God. Have the opportunity to choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Have the opportunity to be saved and then leave and then, and then not do anything in dealing with their eternal soul. They don't realize the urgency of the matter. They don't realize that they may not have another opportunity to choose Christ. They don't realize the, the importance of, and we as Christians many times, we don't realize the urgency. We think we always have more time to make ourselves ready. We always have more time to witness to that person. We need to understand that John came with an urgency. He said, prepare ye. This get ready now. It's time to make ready. It is time for you to repent. It is time for you. The, 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 the time of prophets is done. The fulfillment of the prophecy is is here. The Lord Jesus is coming on the scene and and those people had always looked to those prophets and what did they say? And they're coming out of a dark period of time and John is saying, now, prepare now. I wonder if there's one in the service this morning that you've been putting off doing what you know you need to do. Let me just for a moment remind you of the urgency. Your eternal soul It's not something for you to take lightly. Your eternal soul is not something for you to say, I'll do it another time. I'll deal with it another time. Your eternal soul is not something that you want to what, that, you, that you want to play games with, something that you want to kick that can down the road, if you will. Uh, you don't understand the urgency and the reality of a place called heaven, the reality of a place called hell. And the only way to get from hell to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is an action you must take. Friend, that is not something for you to delay. That is not something for you to put off. If you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven, let me tell you, it is an urgent hour. It is an urgent plea. Ye must deal with your soul now. You must choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we as Christians, we need to get some urgency about us. We say, oh, the Lord Jesus, I believe He's coming. But we don't act like He could come today. 
We don't live like He can come in this hour. The Scripture tells us He could. The Scripture tells us we ought to be rapture ready. We ought to be looking for Him. It is an urgent hour we live in. John was not wasting any time. John was not caught up, or as the Scripture in, in I believe it's 1 Timothy tells us, he was not entangled in the affairs of this world. John was focused on the message and the urgency of the message. That brings me to number four. And finally, we find the message itself. We see preaching the baptism of repentance. Instead of being baptized in the religion of that day or the religious exercise, we find in John, as we've been referring to for the last several weeks, and then in Matthew chapter 3, that message of repentance, we look at the message itself, repentance, turning from your sins to Christ, depending on nothing else but the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me break this down for you very quickly this morning. The message of repentance is a message of conviction. The fact that there must be some sense of the fact of sin. In order for there to have been repentance, there had to be some conviction. Realizing that we were sinners. Friend, can I tell you how to repent and choose Christ this morning? Can I tell you how to be saved? You must realize that you're a sinner. You must realize that you're in the need of a Savior. That's why this quote-unquote gospel that's preached today when there's no conviction of sin and it's all smooth. Hey, let's talk about heaven. And if you just choose Christ, you'll go to heaven. Friend, if you don't believe that you're a sinner on your way to hell in need of a Savior, no conviction, no repentance, no salvation, there must be conviction. That's why John came forth with authority. That's why John came forth with urgency. That's why John said, turn from your sins. Why? Because there has had to be conviction. That gets the attention of man. You realize that conviction, Christian, is not a bad thing for us either. Well, I want the Lord to put them under conviction so they might be saved. You know what? I, I pray for that. I pray, Lord, if there's someone in their services today that is unsaved, may they fall under conviction the moment their car pulls on the parking lot. May every song put them under conviction. May their preaching put them under conviction. But can I tell you, can I just share a little secret with you? I also pray for the Christian. May the Lord, whatever area they need to be convicted in, He put the Holy Spirit, put them under conviction the moment they get in the service so that we might do business with our sin, so that we might have a closer relationship with God. But with no conviction, there's no repentance, there's no salvation. This will help you this morning if you're not saved. I'm going to really make it very practical for you and make it very easy for you this morning to understand how you can accept Christ as your Savior. If you are saved this morning, this will help you in your witnessing and your soul winning and trying to be a witness to a lost world. There must be conviction. Don't skip over the fact that we're sinners on our way to hell without Christ. Well, people get offended by that. We ought to be offended by our sin. I'd rather somebody be offended by my preaching 
but know that they were told the truth. Let me offend God by not telling them the truth. There has to be a conviction, but there also has to be contrition. So what does that mean, Pastor? Sorrow for sin. Grief of heart for having offended a holy and benevolent God. Not only is there conviction of the, there's the reality, the fact of sin, there must be contrition, a sorrow for sin. That grief of our heart having offended a holy and benevolent God. Not, not a, I'm sorry I got caught. Not a, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I don't care, but a, a sorrow for that sin. It grieves us that we have sinned against a holy and a good God. There's a lot of people in this world who they know they're a sinner. and Quite frankly, they're proud of it. Without sorrow of heart, they're not going to be saved. Without that contrition, that humbling... Do you realize that you have to humble yourself to be saved? Nobody walks up to God and say, says, I'm worthy, you saved me because I'm worthy. Oh no, it's the fact that we realize that we are a sinner and then we have sorrow of heart for our sin and realize that we've offended a holy God and because of it we're separated from Him and we have to pay for our own sin. There has to be a reality, a sorrow, a brokenness over our sins and how we have offended our God has to be contrition. This is where religion gets in the way. This is where Joel Osteen, your best life now, gets in the way. Because religion constantly tells us, if you do this other than be sorry for your sins, then you can have salvation. Or just choose Christ. Be bold in your faith and choose Christ. But if you never are under conviction... You can never be sorry for those sins. There must be a brokenness for our sins. There must be something, a grief of heart, that says, I've, I've offended God. I've sinned against God. There ha- that's part of repentance. That's the message. There's the conviction that must take place. There's the contrition that, that of the heart that must take place. Then there's also the confession. It's the acknowledgement of who you sinned against. There, there's, there's a realization that, that I've sinned. I'm convicted by that. I, I am sorry for that sin. And then there's the confession with my heart that I've sinned against God and I must have Christ as my payment. See, friend, you can realize this morning you're a sinner. Anybody out there? You can realize that you've sinned against God. But if you don't choose to confess that Jesus paid your sin debt, you don't choose to confess that you need what Jesus did, you realize that on Easter Sunday, more people will be in church than any other time of the year? It's not a lack of people believing that Jesus rose from the dead. They just don't believe that they're a sinner. They're just not broken over their sins. They just don't want to confess that they can't save themselves, but they need the Savior. They needed somebody to pay that sin debt for them. There has to be a confession. Can you understand, can you get a glimpse of how the message of John graded against 
the environment of the day, the religion of the day. It was everything contrary to what man had been living by. But also, notice there's a conviction, there's a contrition, there's a confession. Then comes the conversion. It is a practical evidence of the above things. Now, I don't have time to get into this tonight, but I do not believe, I do not believe it is scriptural teaching that for somebody to be saved, they have to say, I I am going to, to choose Christ, and then automatically... Everything in their life is in order. Well, if you repent of all of your sins, they don't even know where they all are. Some of you were saved for three years before you realized the Holy Spirit showed you something you were doing was wrong. I don't don't believe, and I don't believe that that's correct teaching. There There has to be a practical evidence of the things that I just mentioned. This will help some of you who doubt your salvation. Was there a time when you were convicted of your sins? Was there a time when the Holy Spirit put you under conviction and you knew you were a sinner? You knew you weren't as good as God. You knew what you were. Then were you brokenhearted over it? Oh, were you sorrowful? Oh, I'm sorry for my sins and Then did you confess with your heart and with your mouth that I'm choosing the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot save myself. I remember it just like it was yesterday as a child sitting in a a classroom uh, seeing the story uh, with a flannel graph. Some of you don't know what that is, but Google it when you get home. The flannel graph of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and realizing that I was a sinner, realizing that I was on my way to hell. I didn't want to go to hell, but I knew that I was sorry for my sins and I had to do something about it. See, friend, this morning, if you're not willing to confess, if you're not willing to choose Him, it doesn't matter if you know you're a sinner or not. I've met very few people who could keep a straight enough face to say, would you agree with me that you're a sinner to say, no, I'm not a sinner. Very few. Who could keep a straight face. Truth of the matter was, they were a sinner. We're all sinners. But you have to acknowledge that. You have to confess that. For for, for there to be a conversion. No conviction, no conversion. No contrition, no conversion. No confession, no choosing. The Lord Jesus Christ and His payment, no conversion. There has to be, that's the message that he preached. Now let me make two comments in closing. Repentance is not despair. We get ourselves in trouble, and I've encountered this many times in the ministry, somebody gets themselves in trouble because of the results of sin, and they get in despair. Let me just remind everyone, that's where sin will take you, to despair. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not saved, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, there's, there's no more despair that you could be in than not having your eternity secured. But Christian, even after salvation, sin will lead you to despair. There are many who they, 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 they're in despair. They don't have peace. They have, uh, they're troubled by their own life. The results of sin, I have to do something to get out of the situation I'm in. Repentance is not despair. Just because a a lost person is in trouble and they know it doesn't mean 
They're he got all, he, he's leaving this and he decided to be here today and he's choosing Christ. No, the message is the same. There has to be conviction. There has to be contrition. There has to be a con, con, confession. It's not despair. Let me tell you what repentance is. It's a message of hope. Change is possible. I was, I'm so thankful that I was saved at an early age. I don't know what it's like to go night after night, week after week, month after month, trouble because I don't know what would happen to me if I died. I would have a hard time how to carry this sin, sin debt, this sin burden. I got saved when I was a child, so... The Lord took care of all that for me. But it is a message of hope in the fact that change is possible. Salvation is available. And victory is assured. What a message from John the Baptist. The message that was definitely a timely message Perfect timing because it was the time of God. Fred, I can't help but think, considering the message of that day, the same message is needed for the day we live in today. It is needed. Oh, you and I, we must be quick to echo the message of John and realize that the only hope, and I preached on a little bit tonight, there's compromise in what we believe for the sake of, of getting along or for the sake of trying to advance some cause isn't going to help anyone. This world needs the same message that John preached, and that is repent. You better make way for the Lord. He, he is coming, and it's a message of believing on Him. He is coming. Behold, the Lamb of God. And you and I, we can point to what Jesus did and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And why did He come? He came because we're sinners. He came because we have a sin nature, and we have sinned against God. And friend, the very the very thought this morning that although we're saved, but our sin put Jesus on the cross and our sin put Him through that suffering. And I'm thankful and rejoice that He went through that, but we still ought to get broken hearted over our sin and the fact that we're a sinner. But it's that contrition of heart that says, God, I've sinned against You, but I know that Jesus paid that sin price for me. I know He shed His blood so that I might have salvation, and I am believing in Him and only Him. I'm not believing in a religion. I'm not believing in a religious man. I am believing in the perfect Son of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary. That is my confession. That would be the conversion. That's the same message that is needed today. We don't need any more self-help preachers behind the pulpit anymore. We don't, we don't need... A lot of self-help books. I'll preach on that Wednesday night, three Wednesday nights from now, I believe it is. 
We don't need a lot of the things that we've been doing. It's too many times people looking for an answer. They walk into the doors of a church. They need someone to tell them the truth. And all they're told is that you can come to God this way and God will accept you just as you are. There's no conviction. There's no contrition. There's no confession. Then there's no conversion. And they leave in the same misery. And sometimes they are convinced because they take the word of Somebody who does not know that book, that they are, they, they, they're, they're, their sins are forgiven, they're taken care of, but they've never repented. What's the message of the day? Repent. Repent. What's going to change this, this country? Repent. What's going to change the world? Repent. That's the same message. Can I tell you something this morning? This church has been preaching that message for decades. I tell you, the message is going to continue to preach. The same message. The same message. The same message. There's a lot of people in this world who are hurting. They're in despair. More than they need a warm meal, and I'm not against giving somebody a warm meal. They need the message of turning to Christ. This morning... If you're not saved, you never accepted Christ as your Savior. You must realize that you're a sinner on your way to hell. Because you've sinned against an almighty and a benevolent God. The only way for your eternity to be changed is by putting your hope, your faith, your trust in the finished work of Calvary. I trust that you'll do that today.